Well, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share with you this morning. We are in a series called Strong, where we're striving to become more like Jesus and stronger in our faith and in the actions that naturally follow when our faith is real and strong and vibrant. How are you doing with this? I hope you're diving in deep and, and making this a priority in your life. There's no other relationship that is more important than this one, your relationship with Jesus. So we want it to be strong. Please lean into this and do the work to make yourself strong. It's worth it. Today's message, message is simply entitled, Serve. I love this topic. I love the example that Jesus himself set for us. And I hope that we can grow together in our commitment to learn what Jesus said. But not just to intellectually believe it. Even to a point where we could teach somebody else about it. But let it be that today we actually act on it. And we do what Jesus says to do. I have a simple question for you this morning. It's not an easy question. I think it's going to make us uncomfortable, but it, it is a simple question that I am pleading with you to honestly answer before God and answer to yourself. In relationship with who you are as a person and as a believer in Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, you accepted Jesus and, and He removed your sin he saved you. And if you accepted Him, you made Him your Lord. And you have, you have this incredible relationship where He has forgiven you whatever you've done wrong that you deserve to go to hell for. And you have promised to make Him your Lord so that you've, you've said you're going to live your life for Him. You're going to strive to do what would be pleasing to Him. You're going to try to live in such a way that would bring honor to Him and that would draw people to Him, that shows others how much He loves them. You want to attract them to Jesus because He wants them to know Him more than anything else. And I've asked this question of myself and, and even asking myself more even now as I'm preaching. I think God wants us to answer and be honest and wrestle with this and through through all the whys and make changes as he directs us by his word and by his spirit who is at work in us and among us so here's the simple question are you serving are you now this is the out front part i'll come back and be kinder in a minute but i want you to sit with this are you serving? Are you serving at Plum Creek? Is Plum Creek what you would call your church home? If you and I sat down together this afternoon and I was to ask, can you tell me about where you're serving right now? I mean, what does that look like for you? Where are you involved? What would your answer be? Do you feel okay about your answer? 
Do you feel justified in reasons that, that would defend your answer? And please, no, I am not presupposing anything about you or your walk with Jesus. We are all on this journey trying to follow him. And I hope that even as I share this, that, that you know I love you. I care about your walk with Jesus. I want to grow in mine, and I hope you want to grow in yours. I think this is an important question to answer. Am I serving? What would Jesus want me to be serving in? 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 is one of my favorite verses. Paul just writes, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And I want to be able to say that. I want you to be able to say that as a Christ follower so that people around us can watch our lives and see how to follow Jesus. And I think one very clear evidence of that is, are you serving? Are you setting an example of following Jesus that you would want other people to follow you in? Are you serving at Plum Creek? And if not, why not? I plead with you, please, wrestle with this question until you are satisfied with your answer before God and it may take you having some honest conversations maybe with your spouse or your family members or your group of friends or one of your pastors or elders or maybe it's a, a great discussion for your huddle group this week if you want some somebody to talk to about this and and no one else comes to mind that would be helpful please call me this week I would love to talk with you about this. I would honestly love to sit with each of you and just, I invite everyone, anyone to call me and let's sit down and figure this out. Let's pray together and ask God, where would you have me serve? And I will do my best to help you find a place where you're serving in the kingdom and you feel like this is what God made me to do. I, I want to be involved. I want to be serving. And I think you'll be fulfilled. I think your relationship with Jesus will grow and you'll feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'd love to help you find that if you haven't already. Because I'm convinced that some people in churches today have become very cynical, very negative, very critical. I mean, they're ticked off before they even come in the doors on a Sunday morning. And, and there are lots of reasons for this. But if that's how we approach worship on Sundays, it may be difficult to roll up our sleeves and do the kingdom work that God has called us to do together. And we have got to get past this as Christ followers. I mean, if there are things in your church, whether it's Plum Creek or, or some other church, if there are things that are so glaringly upsetting to you that you can't worship or be motivated to, to serve in the kingdom, then wouldn't it be better to, to be plugged in somewhere that you felt like you could do that? Where you're connected and energized and able to serve the kingdom fully. To stay and only be discouraged and uninvolved and upset doesn't seem fair to you or fair to your church. And so, my encouragement 
is to get involved in serving in the church that you are in and find your niche. You'll find friendships and you'll find community in that service in the kingdom of God and I believe you'll be more contented and more fulfilled as a Christian and as a churchgoer and serving in the kingdom of God. And so I ask you, are you serving in your church? Are you serving? Are you serving in your home? If not, why not? How are you currently, regularly serving your family members or your spouse or your parents or your siblings or your children? Are you being kind and helpful and are you pointing them closer to Jesus? Are you serving in your workplace? Not just doing your job, but serving others above and beyond just the job. Are you pointing people toward Jesus by your acts of service? Are you serving anyone in your neighborhood or on your list of acquaintances just because you saw a need and you knew you could help meet it? Maybe it would encourage them and perhaps they might open Open up to the message that God loves them because you serve them. And, and we have this message from our loving God who desperately wants a relationship with them. And maybe they would be drawn toward Him because you serve them. Are you pointing them closer to Jesus? There are a few guys from Plum Creek who had, had formed a huddle-type group over the summer, and uh, what they chose to do directly fits into what we're talking about today. And so I ask if we could share their story. Let's just take a look at that now. Well, my name is Scott. I've been a, a believer for 20, well, pretty much all my life. Waxing and waning through my teen years and my 20s. Um, but after I got married, we decided we'd start going to church because that, that's where you're supposed to bring your, your child up, right? And, you know, was baptized and, and went through it and was going to church, and I thought I was a Christian until um, I started doing some of the service work that I was doing and meeting with people, and that's when I really started to realize that's when um, I felt like I was truly a Christian when I was serving uh, God with some of the stuff that he laid out for me. A small group of us that were meeting on Sunday mornings um, kind of broke off and started meeting at, at my house on Wednesday nights, I believe it was. And there was um, four of us that were meeting there, and some were able to make it, some weren't, and we just kind of did the best we could with it. But we met and we got to know each other a little bit, and we we're kind of looking forward to other things that were to come. We didn't know what that was at the time. Part of, part of the effort of the church was to get out into the community and walk around the community, get to know people and, and things like that. I had always thought, you know, since I've been at Plum Creek, that the Campbell Point community would be a nice place to, to go in and, and start to meet people. It's close to the church and seemed like a good thing at the time, so I suggested that. And so we moved on and, and started getting to know some of the people at Campbell Point. We were walking around and um, I think Jared noticed the picnic table by the lake and he said, that's kind of a worn-down picnic table. And then we come to the conclusion, well, why don't we just build some picnic tables? We'll bring in the, the materials, and we'll have everybody come up. We had pizzas. We had the, you know, seemed what it turned out to be was some of the men started putting one of the tables together, and some of the little girls 
started helping on the other table, it almost turned out to be a race. What was nice about it is when we get there, you could see that fathers were working with their daughters, that other girls, and I'm concentrating on the girls mostly because that's who I was working with at the time, um, who were a little bit intimidated and didn't want to get involved, I kind of encouraged them to come up and not let the men outdo them. And, and they came up and, and I started as, to see as we moved on that that confidence started to build. And they were uh, drilling the, the screws down into the, the wood and by the end of it, we built a pretty nice, pretty nice solid table. But if you're out doing this type of stuff, there has to be a reason, right? And the reason for us to do outreach isn't the table. The table, or we plan on, or, you know, our next step is to, to do a grill out. Now that we have picnic tables, we're hoping to have a grill out in a couple of weeks, but that can't be the reason. You know, that, that's a tool for us to get there so we can communicate with people and then start earning that trust so we can share Christ with them so they'll see that we, we don't have any ulterior motives, that we're just out for them. And a lot of the stuff that's happened wasn't done by me or anything. It was done by circumstances that I just followed through on what I felt God was putting on my, on my heart to do. So I think for the most part, people know. They know what it is that they want to do. They're just fighting it. They don't feel comfortable with it. They're not sure they're allowed to. You don't need permission from the church. You don't need permission from anybody to go be a Christian. God gave you that permission and the strength to go do it. It's not easy to go out and start talking about Jesus with some stranger. It, but once you start doing it, it becomes easier and easier, and then you start to hear people's reasons for not wanting to believe, that you start to hear their histories of why they don't believe or, or whatever that is, and you, you, you look at them from a human level rather than uh, a project level, and you just love them for who they are where they're at right now. It's really cool. Well, in the book of John, chapter 13, is the story of Jesus with his disciples in the upper room for the Passover supper. There was a custom that occurred at dinner parties in New Testament days. Most people walked around in their sandals during that time on dusty streets. And if you're going to a dinner party, the host of the dinner party would arrange to have an, an hourly worker, a, a servant type person, actually kneel down and help the guests take their sandals off and then pour water over the person's feet. They would put the guests' feet in this basin and then they would dry the guests' feet. And the idea was that they would be able to feel more comfortable because they're, they're not going to have a three-hour dinner with dirty feet. And complicating this is that in ancient times, people reclined at tables, so your feet were going to be in someone else's face. So this is a custom that was widely done, foot washing. And the book of John tells us that Jesus is going to have a dinner party with his disciples. They're going to celebrate Passover together. And everything has been arranged, but they walk into the room and there's no foot washer guy. It might have been an administrative oversight. We don't know from the text, but we're left to wonder if, if the absence of this 
foot washing attendant created some interesting tension among the followers of Jesus. It's like they were standing there going, well, now who's going to kneel down and do this nasty little job? And the text doesn't explicitly say this, but I can almost imagine in my mind that maybe Peter's thinking, Man, I'm one of the top three. I mean, there ain't no way I'm, I'm getting on my knees and doing that. And maybe another one of them's kind of saying, well, I was one of the earlier chosen ones, so I, I'm not doing it. And maybe they're all kind of thinking something like that. Maybe, maybe they sort of cross their arms and they're just kind of standing around like, maybe the foot washer guy's late. But it, it appears nobody volunteered to do it. And uh, maybe they felt like it was beneath them. I, I don't know. It can be kind of awkward moments. And maybe you've been at a party where uh, you're carrying a plate of food through the house. I'm laughing because I, I know I have been at this kind of party, and, and this has happened to me a time or two. But, you know, you're talking with somebody, and somebody walks through the door and bumps your elbow, and you drop your plate. And peanuts go everywhere, and the chocolate cake, which never lands icing side up, you know, it, it's there on the floor. And, you know, it's, it's awkward. You're chasing down the peanuts, trying to get them back on your plate and, you know, wiping the best you can the icing. And usually a kind host will appear from around the corner with a wet towel and they'll wipe things up and, and everything is made comfortable again. But I've wondered if in this situation in the upper room when there was no one to wash feet, if that was awkward and... Uh, we're, we're kind of left to just guess about this, but I don't think it got resolved right away. I think it just felt kind of like I, I don't think anybody's going to do it. And finally, it seemed like no one was going to do it. And it is recorded in John chapter 13 in verse 2. The evening meal was being served, which might indicate that the disciples were so resolute not to lower themselves to the foot washing task that they just said, just serve the food. I'd rather see, sit with your dirty feet in my face than stoop to wash them. So everyone reclined, and the food was served. Now the scriptures record that Jesus was there with him, and, and he does something that's recorded for all of history. He gets up from the meal, perhaps after the food had been served and the dinner has been in progress for for a bit and he takes his outer cloak off as servant boys would do and he wraps a towel around his waist and he pours a jug of water and he gets on his hands and knees with a basin and he begins washing the grimy feet of his followers can you imagine how quiet the room got I mean do you think they just went on with the meal like, hey, hey, can somebody pass the bread? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it was deathly quiet. I mean, can you imagine how embarrassing that moment must have been and how embarrassing it was when Jesus finally came to their feet? Here he was demonstrating a willingness to do for them what they were possibly too proud to do for each other. 
And when he finishes the last guy, he's standing there with this filthy towel and a basin full of muddy water. And he says these words to his disciples. Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. When it comes to serving, I don't want to be embarrassed when Jesus comes again that he served me. Like, like he had to get up and take the towel and wrap it around his waist and, and do it because I was unwilling to do it. Are you serving? I'd like us to make a couple observations from the story. First, Jesus unapologetically and with no question whatsoever calls every one of his followers to acts of kindness and servanthood like foot washing. He says, I want it to be a distinctive characteristic of people who bear my name. I want them to be identified from all the rest of the people in society as those who are willing to do what normal, pride-filled people are always unwilling to do. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm asking for my followers to look beyond their own petty concerns about social status and titles and positions. My followers should be able to see past their own wants, their own desires, their own protective turf. He says, I'm calling every one of my followers to take up the towel. And he doesn't make this call in some dreamy, mysterious way, but he calls and teaches and demonstrates this in a very painstakingly practical way. He says, I'm calling you to simple acts of service and kindness like foot washing, like opening doors for each other, like sharing the remote control, like offering to help out around the house or the office or, or letting somebody go in front of you in the parking lot. Doing things that are uncharacteristic and un unexpected by the rest of the world. Jesus' fundamental point was, if you're a follower of mine, you will look for opportunities to do practical, kind, servant-oriented things for one another. I like the section of the, test, of the text where Jesus says, now that I, your teacher and Lord, the second person in the Trinity, God in the flesh, if foot washing is not beneath me, it's not beneath you. If I'm willing to wash your feet, wake up. Understand that you should be willing to wash each other's feet in every practical situation, at work, at home, wherever you are. Walk into every room wondering if there is a simple act of kindness that you can do. Jesus said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have done this, 
I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. The other brief, brief observation from this text, and maybe you've never seen it as clearly as I'm going to try to make it right now, but at the end of his remarks, Jesus says, now that I've explained it to you, and here are the key words, you will be blessed. If you do this kind of stuff, you will be blessed. Here's Jesus making a blanket across the board, no exception promise that people who bear the towel... Those who serve people in practical ways, those who don't just live for themselves, will become recipients of God's sovereign blessing and favor. Something supernatural will, will be released in and around your life. Something good will come your way. God's divine favor will fall on those who take up the towel and serve. Jesus says, You will be blessed. If you live the way Jesus demonstrated for us to live. Now here's the question of the hour. Do you believe that? Do you? Do you believe it enough that you would reorder the value system of your life around the promise of Jesus Christ that if you were to take up the towel, you would be blessed? One of the most important decisions you can make in your life is are you going to consistently keep looking for ways, shortcuts to the promise of the all-American dream? More money, more power, more applause, more fame, whatever it is. The question is, what are you basing your hope on? Is it all that stuff? Do you think if you get more, more, more of the all-American dream, then you're going to feel blessed and live in a God-blessed way? And you're going to feel inner satisfaction and peace? Is that more likely to, to come through the pursuit of more of those things? Or is it more likely to come through taking off your outer garment, wrapping a towel around your waist, and bending over, and washing dirty feet. In the context of our modern day situations, this is fundamentally one of the most important questions that you will ever ask or resolve in your spirit. Am I serving? If not, why not? Where can I start to embrace this teaching of Jesus and begin living it out today? Friends, let's pick up the towel. Let's follow the teachings and example of Jesus in a very focused and dedicated and practical way. It's, it's acting on the promise that if you will serve others, your life will be deeply and greatly blessed. God will, will fill you up and bless you instead of you depending on the acquisition of the all-American dream. No, God wants to bless you because you're serving and you're fulfilled and you're doing exactly what you were made to do. And there will be this smile on your face as you, you see I'm making a difference. I'm doing what God called me to do. I'm serving others, and I love it. There is no comparison to any other joy than if you're serving in the kingdom of God and doing what He created you to do. And so I'm pleading with you. Let's take this seriously. Let's serve. Let's take up the towel. 
I want to ask you to think about your life, where you are, where you want to be, where God may be calling you to. And I think about my own life, what I might have been, and it scares me. And I'm not anywhere near perfect. I have a lot of flaws, but I thank God that I want to choose and pursue the towel kind of life. I'm thankful for the strong examples of faithful followers of Jesus who have modeled for me what it means to serve people. Not for money or recognition or fame or applause, but out of a desire to be like Jesus and live for Jesus. That's my goal. I I want to be more like those people that I look up to who serve. I want to be more like Jesus. He took a towel and wrapped it around his waist and washed his disciples' feet the night before he died. It was important, and he wanted us to get that. And of all the things I might have pursued, riches or status or trying to to fulfill my life by pursuing whatever the all-American dream, is i might have ended up some underchallenged, over-resourced bored guy with shattered relationships and emptiness all around me and if you live your life for jesus you take up the towel and you serve those around you for jesus sake there there comes this fulfillment there's this sense that maybe we're not chasing the wind like solomon at the end of his life i mean he had more Buildings that he built, more gardens that he created. He had more women than any of us could imagine. He had it all in terms of what we consider the all-American dream. And at the end of it all, he looked at it and he said, meaningless. Meaningless. All is meaningless. It was a chasing after the wind. Now you have a choice to make. And I'm not going to let you off the hook because it's fundamentally one of the most serious choices with the highest greatest implications of what's going to happen in your future as any other choice you are ever going to make friends it really is either the towel kind of life or you're betting your fulfillment on money fame applause whatever you're pursuing these other things you've got one life And it's up to you. How are you going to use it? How are you using it? Are you serving? Where? What's it look like? If you're not happy with your own answer to that question, I am pleading with you. Ask God what he would have you do. Pray, God, please direct me. How can I serve you better? How can I take up the towel and be involved in in this service and and in this fulfillment? I want to be yours. And I challenge every single one of you to take up the towel. Try it. You go down that road a little ways and you see if you don't feel blessed because you're doing something that matters. You're, You're serving one another. You're serving people who don't even know Jesus yet and you're loving it. It's between you and God what you're going to do. So here's a couple challenges that I'm going to give you. And again, you deal with it. I'm not going to lean on you or twist your arm. This is a very private conversation between you and God. And after I give these challenges, you just respond how he leads. 
I want to challenge you to pray about this with all your heart. Really pray about it. And plead with God to show you. You've got, you've got to do something on your own when you're quiet before God. And just ask Him, God, open my eyes to what you would have me to do. Read God's Word. Read some of the stories of Jesus and how He served others and how He loved others. Ask God to show you what would He have you do with this. Secondly, have at least one conversation with someone about this in the next seven days. At least one conversation about serving and what this means in your life. Don't wimp out on this. Be honest and open and vulnerable and say it out loud to someone that you're praying about this and that you want to be serving. You know Jesus calls you to serve and you want to get involved serving. This may help get the ball rolling. Not, not just being a little bit convicted, but then just kind of going back to not really thinking about it anymore and certainly not doing anything. I'm pleading with you. Talk about it with someone. Have a conversation with somebody about it and then actually start doing it. Now. Don't put it off. Have a conversation and then start doing it. And challenge number three is before the sun sets today, I want you to do a simple act of kindness for someone. Just something you normally wouldn't have done, and you'll begin to feel this blessing. Serve one another. Be a servant. I challenge you. The rest is up to you. Matthew 20, beginning in verse 25, Jesus says, it says, Jesus called them together, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Indeed, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be their servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give His life as a ransom for many. That's our Lord. And I'll close one more time with these words from John 13. After Jesus had washed his disciples' feet and put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said, Do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. He wants to bless you. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for the teachings and the examples of Jesus who lived his life in such a way that the multitudes marveled at how he lived and what he did. He showed us what it was to love and, and to serve. It, it's, it's a life of simplicity, his, his focus, his kindness, his truthfulness. And God, we live in a crazy mixed up world that tries to show us to pursue the American dream, to pursue all kinds of other things, things that... Uh, are going to get us in trouble. I mean, things, things that are going to cause self-destruction.
But the world is giving us this message that we've got to pursue these things. We've we, we got to self-gratify. We've got to self-preserve. We've got, I mean, it, it tempts us with greed and sloth and lust and pride. And, and we're tempted to live such lives that would cost us our very soul. God, help us to say no to that stuff and help us to take up the towel and live the kind of life that Jesus calls us to. I pray that today is the day you'll, you'll redirect our lives maybe for the first time or back to where they should be with regard to serving in your kingdom. And God, I pray that you would plant seeds of faith in our hearts and give us opportunities before us to get involved and that we'll have the boldness to actually act on your words and do it. Help us do it. Am I serving, God? Show me where I should serve. God, we're so glad you showed us how we could get to the end of our life without having to, to say, man, it was just a stupid chasing of the wind. Help us to see that a life of service, a life of living for you and serving others will fulfill us. And it's what you want from us. It's what we need. Show us your way and help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.